Hi, and welcome to the Believe in the Land Show. My name is Andy Billman. Let's take a look back at the week that was in Cleveland sports. The Browns are not at mandatory minicamp yet, but we'll talk about the D. Hopkins hype train, and it's getting more hype. The Cavs are obviously in hiatus. They're getting ready for the NBA draft and summer league and discussions on what to do with Karis Levert, what to do with Wing, which will be the big two discussions this offseason for the Cavs. We'll get to them in a little bit. But this is Guardian season. This is baseball time, and it's June. And the Guardians have stepped up. You know, beginning of the week, two weeks ago, on a Wednesday after a horrid loss, 6 nothing shellacking to the White Sox at home, it was starting to get bleak. It was starting to get to that point in a Guardians baseball season where we have hope, we believe in this team from last year, there's a lot of excitement coming into the year as there should be because of what happened the year before. But, you know, confidence was starting to wane in the fans. Oh, fantastic win on Sunday by the Guardians, led by the J-Ram double, two outs in the ninth. And this week, going into Baltimore, going into Minnesota, not easy. Two teams with winning records on the road. Baltimore, one of the best teams in the AL. They win two out of three. And then they go to Minnesota first place try to get back into that division and they split they go two for two so they have a four and three week where they play all road games against very good competition that's a pretty good week for the guardians in a week where they didn't get great starting pitching in a week where you know a couple of those games were just uh we finally saw some explosiveness from the offense Finally saw some life, saw some jumping around, saw some traffic on the bases. Finally saw some things that really in a week span hadn't seen since week one where they were playing the Mariners and A's. It has been a drought of energy sometimes from the offense. We got a lot of it this week. Hard not to feel good about the Guardians after this week. In fact, the Guardians, maybe they found something. Maybe. Just maybe. But it's a week that you can, again, feel energized, feel better about the club. And it's still second place, tie the Tigers behind the Twins. But, you know, three games back, three and a half games back, I should say. Very, very, you know, very possible to come back. Obviously, tons of games left to play. So all that to be said, three games in the loss column. That's what I was looking for. Sorry for the babbling there for a second. So they're in contention to still win this division. Even with, I would say, just a lethargic offense, injuries to your starting pitching, here they are. There's a lot. There's some positive momentum you can see coming. There are still some questions that need to be asked and solved. And they're going to have to, you know, this this team's going to have to figure those questions out. We're going to get to some of those questions in segment two. Because I think, you know, the looming topic we, we had last week about Shane Beaver is still there. And I don't think that's going away. I think that's a real topic. Do you bring in Shane Beaver from Gavin Williams? Maybe. Maybe you don't. You know, again, Shane Bieber can win you a game in the playoffs. He has, and he's done that before. 
and he can pitch very well in the playoffs, as we saw last year. He pitched wonderfully against Tampa and won a big game on the road in the Bronx against New York. He can't pitch well in big spots. But this week was the week for the offense. And, boy, I mean, just to see some of these scores, five runs, five runs, and a loss, yes, and 12 runs. Man, that's tremendous. Come back, Minnesota, heartbreaking. And then back to the, you know, one <laughs> shutout, four runs, two runs. Okay, but better, better offense. Better clutch. So here's the four themes I saw this week. Number one, welcome back, Aaron Savali. Welcome back, Tristan McKenzie. Both pitched really, really well. Um, Savali, I was pleasantly sur surprised. I didn't know what we would get out of Savali, but he did go five innings. Four runs, 83 pitches. Obviously, they're going to monitor his pitch count at the beginning. Two walks, but he did his job and is relatively clean, meaning not a lot of stress. Safali looked good. That was a good, you know, that, that I was like, that was good to see. You needed to see some sign that he could actually do it. Savali has talent. It's just been his injuries. Guy just has a history of injuries, and after a while, you do have to wonder, is this is this a guy who can really do it? And it's fair to ask that because, I mean, frankly, he hasn't been able to do so. Savali had a good start, though, back. Needed it. And then today was just a wonderful performance from Mr. McKenzie, who we will be at one point, no matter what happens to Beaver this year will be the next ace for the Guardians. Five innings for him as well. Almost the same amount of pitches as McKenzie, 79, but was lethal. One hit. One hit. One walk, 10 strikeouts. That, welcome back, Tristan McKenzie. That was a sledgehammer. Good to see. Bybee, Allen, McKenzie, Savali, Bieber. Really good rotation. And Quantrill's out right now with an injury. Pretty good rotation. Which is why we're going to talk about again what we saw this week with Bieber here in a second. So that's number one. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Number two is the offensive explosion. There are several candidates for who we should talk to about having a big offensive week. I'm going to go to three players in particular. I want to start off with Andres Jimenez. Andres Jimenez, who has struggled this year, low start to the year, had a wonderful week. Four hits in the Twin Series, six hits in the Baltimore Series. So in layman's terms, he had 25 at-bats, and he had a good 10 hits. That's 400 hitting baseball. That's what you needed. Starting off the week at 220, ending the week at 247. Andres Jimenez had multiple big hits and big spots. He had a big double off the wall. 
which I, again, I kind of wondered that was going to get him going on Tuesday. It did. It carried over into Wednesday. Wednesday, he was hot. Everybody was hot on Wednesday um, in the 12-day victory. But he had four hits in that game. And then again today, you know, wasn't wasn't um, Jimenez's perfect game at times this weekend. He's not perfect, but boy, today in a big spot, what Andres Jimenez do? RBI triple. To put them up ahead for good. Now our guy started Jimenez finishing up. But Jimenez really had not shown a pulse at times this year. For him to have that kind of week was great to see. His average really jumped this week. Huge to see. Huge. Josh Naylor also had a tremendous week. He had another big day today. And he also battled a knee injury. He went off in that 12-8 to game on Wednesday. Four hits, three runs scored, a home run, six RBIs. He was just, he torched, he torched the birds. Really did. And then today he had a huge double off the wall for an RBI and eventually scored the, the game-winning run off the Jimenez triple. Josh Naylor, as another example, came into this week only batting 226. Looks like he's going to leave the week hitting 254. That's how you jump in your average. Josh Naylor, who has has been around this year with some big moments, hasn't been as consistent. Andres Jimenez, though, I mean, again, never a pulse at times. Boy, he left the weekend feeling very good. His average jumped quite a bit, a good 20-plus points. Huge to see. We need these guys. Need them. And then the other guys, Willie Brennan. I know he goes by Will in his name, but he has Willie on his uh, social media account, so I call him Willie because of it. He just was on fire all games. Any game he played, he at least had one hit. He had a big night last night on the Saturday game against the Twins, hitting the big home run, three RBIs, two RBIs on the home run, and then he had a sacrifice, and he had a ground out that uh, was a fielder's choice that got him another RBI. But a big week for Will. And again, coming into that week, Brennan did not have did not have a bat did not have a good at bat to end the series with with the Cardinals. But look how he bounced back. Look how he bounced back. Look how he got things into motion this week. Bouncing back from that and having a tremendous week. Will Brennan was on fire this week. Every time it came up, it seems like he got a hit. Those were two of the big things that really stood out to me this week. And there's more positives to come, which we're going to talk about. But I want to pause here for a second. To have Savali and Tristan McKenzie come in and pitch well. So many times we've seen pitchers come back from the Indians, now Guardians, and they struggle or they fight through or they look average at best or they seems like they go through four or five innings and they get banged around. Boy, Savali was good. Tristan McKenzie looks elite already. Elite. That good already. And as I said, Jimenez, and in the second point about the hitting, offensive explosion this week. It did taper down in Minnesota, but they exploded in Baltimore. They did keep scoring runs in Minnesota. Not as many as we saw in Baltimore, but they did get some runs across. But to see Jimenez 
go off, and we need him to go off. That's a huge sign for this club, huge sign. Josh Naylor carrying the club again. Big day in Baltimore. I mean, there's will say big day in Baltimore. And Will Brennan, who for a young rookie showed a lot to me this week. Brennan's going to be hard to keep out of the lineup after a week like this. For him to have such a terrible bad St. Louis and just have, I mean, his hair was on fire. Absolutely torched the ball all week. He had a fantastic week for the Guardians. Those two big points can possibly lead your team to the playoffs. It's starting to come together a little bit. It is starting to come together. But those two factors alone were enough to celebrate the champagne. It was a good week in that sense. We come back. We're going to do more Guardians baseball this week. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. If you like instantaneous analysis, as soon as the last pitch happens in our Guardians games, you want analyzation? I'm there every night. I watch every game. There's no reason to have to wait. We're there with a room full of your best friends. Go to at official Cleveland sports on Instagram at official Cleveland sports on Instagram. We're there after every last pitch. Check us out. Also, if you want good turnaround, fast content on the three teams on Buckeyes football, believe in the land.com. That is believe in the land.com. Myself, Todd Hall, and many others working hard, providing a fan site for the fans all day, all in, every day. That is BelieveInTheLand.com. So back to the Guardians. Four and three week. We talked about the pitchers that came back. We also talked about this week the big hitters scoring some runs. For the Guardians is is a big outburst of runs, especially in Baltimore. They also scored um, a lot, didn't score a lot more runs, but more consistently. High traffic situations was better in Minnesota, I felt. So they got four wins out of it. Much better performance. Kind of, again, did taper off in Minnesota, but they still got two wins. Led by, I thought, Josh Naylor, Andres Jimenez, and Will Brennan. All three really, it's amazing. In a normal week, you talk about one of those players. All three really had big, big, big weeks. Great to see for different reasons, but all for the best reason. They really did a nice job with the play protecting. So here's some other things I think that we also saw this week, though. So those are points one and two. Here's the third and fourth themes this week. The bullpen, I do think, is starting to Rubik's Cube out a little bit. We're starting to match some more colors on what to expect. Saw some things this week that were all over the map. Saw some things at times that made you nervous. Then they, the next day, they made you feel good. A little bit more of a roller coaster. A little bit of more of a roller coaster. That to said, that to say, <laughs> not that to said, that to say, I do think we're starting to finally have some more clarity on what this bullpen is. Now, Class A is the key to the bullpen. And Class A did have a very good week. Now, nerve-wracking today on Sunday. Back-to-back, yada, yada. But he got the save. And I'm going to repeat that. That's what makes this good for a Class A week. He got the save. 
wasn't the most stylish week, but he got two huge, huge saves this week for the for us. And moments where we needed him to get saves, obviously. He's blown too many saves already. He's already blown five. We cannot have more blown saves from Class A. But he got the job done. He got what was needed. And again, even today, he gave up a hit. Again, wasn't the cleanest. Gave up a walk, but he got the save. He only got one save this week. Only one. Actually, two saves. Because he got back-to-back saves. Sorry, what am I saying? He got two saves in Minnesota. But he made four appearances. And he had a pretty clean week for the most part outside today. Today was the one day that he gave up. He finally gave up. But for four appearances for Classe, he was pretty consistently good. If you're gonna if you pitch your closer four times, eventually he's gonna get touched up a little bit. He did today, but he got the save. In previous experiences of Class A this year, he would have blown that save. Not today. He gave up the walk. He did give up the hit, but he got the save. His other appearances were very clean this week. He looks like the old class A. That is, you cannot underplay it. It's a huge sign of confidence. You're starting to get to see the old class A back. That is a great sign for us Guardians fans. He pitched a lot this week. He pitched four innings. Got two saves and did not give up any runs. Big week. De Los Santos got touched up today, but I think he's becoming more of the eighth inning guy. He did get hit hard today by the Twins, but he still has ERAs under two. He did hold him down, though. He did not give up any more runs than the one. So you can take it as a fan. That's okay. Again, you don't want to see Castro hitting home runs in the eighth inning. Makes any, any of us nervous, especially to lead off an inning. But De Los Santos did get out of it. I think I think De Los Santos is here to stay in big innings. I think he's earned the right this year to be pitching in big spots for the Guardians. He is another pitcher, by the way. Multiple appearances this week. He pitched four times this week. So again, if you see your setup guy and your relievers in June pitch more than three times, that's a lot. Dale Santos and Classe pitched a lot this week. They did pretty good overall. One home run from Dale Santos. I like Dale Santos. I don't put too much stock today into what happened, only because he pitched back-to-back days. And this was his, and this was his fourth appearance in a week. That's not his normal stuff. They're putting more, they're putting more pressure on him to perform, and he's deserved that. He's earned that right to get the ball. He's very good. Today was really the first time all year I can remember where I thought he had a, I wouldn't say heart-stopping, but he was nerve-wracking. It was nerve-wracking. To see a leadoff home run, to give up another hit after that, that was nerve-wracking today. But he got out of it, and he only gave up 10 pitches to do it. Stefan is just all over the map. I have to keep telling myself he did this last year. He did start to figure out right around the middle to late June. So maybe this is what Trevor Stefan does. He gives us heart attacks all the way up until Father's Day and becomes more consistent. Today, he had a good outing in Minnesota. This week, eh, I mean, 
I think he's more of a seventh inning guy. I don't think he's the eighth inning guy. I think that's De Los Santos this year. I do. Can you see him in big spots? Yes. Does he make you nervous though this year? I, he makes me nervous this year. Yes. Again, Stefan to me is still a guy you're going to see in high pressure situations. I could he come back to where he was last year? There is a there there is a chance for that of happening because. He had similar struggles around the same time last year, so it's not fair to say he can't do that because he did it last year. That said, I think De Los Santos is more the eighth inning guy. I think Stefan's more of your seventh, sixth inning guy. He could he could graduate to to another level. We'll see. He did pitch better today. He had a terrible, boy, terrible uh, Friday uh, Thursday night. Really got gassed towards a terrible loss. Big loss. So, Stefan, hopefully he gets out of this again. We got to keep our eye on him. And then Karen Check finally had a good week. Today he only gave up one hit, but he was pretty dominant, to be honest with you. Even that one hit never really felt – at least I didn't. I didn't really feel nervous with him in the game. He did a nice job. And this week he only gave up that one hit today. Pitched in, again, four appearances this week. It's a lot. The Guardians need more length from their starters. I think they'll get that going forward. They did not get a lot of length this week. So they put a lot of pressure in the bullpen. But I think this Rubik's Cube of the bullpen is starting to get figured out. I think we're starting to understand. Classe, I think he's getting back to where he was in 2022. I really do. Della Santos, I think he's your eighth inning guy right now. And he's earned that right. Stefan's more of your seventh inning guy. Need to see more from Karen Check, but he had a very good week. He only gave up one hit this week. It's pretty good in four appearances. Pretty solid week from the bullpen. Pretty solid week from the bullpen. Starting to see some things where we can figure out how this is going to go late in games. Starting to get a vibe. I like Xavion Curry in mop-up role. He does a good job there. He eats up innings and doesn't give up a lot of runs. I like that from him. I think Hunter Gaddis, I know he's down in Columbus. I think he has a role in this team, too, coming out of the bullpen in the future. Hinches is still there, and I know everybody gets driving. Everybody goes crazy from Sandlin, but Sandlin, to me, is actually not that terrible. And, again, in certain spots, he's actually pretty good. He, I, I, I think fans are giving up way too soon on Sandlin. That to be said, that Rubik's Cube of the bullpen, it is starting to get figured out. You're starting to understand how certain things are going to work in certain spots, and that's good to see. And you can't undersell enough how important it is to see what Class A did this week, to see that 2022 Class A, which I felt we did this week, is a huge moment for this team. Huge. Cannot, cannot underpronounce it any more than that. And then finally, Logan Allen is just a separate line to me. A lot of attention has been given to the young pitchers, more to Bybee than Allen. But I thought Logan Allen really said a lot about his game this week. He was tremendous. I mean, tremendous in Baltimore. Seven shutout innings and a win. Followed that up by going to Minnesota and getting six innings, only giving up two runs, and another win, 13 innings pitched. He by far was the best pitcher of the week for the Guardians. By far. Not even close. 
Logan Allen was the best starting pitcher this week for the Guardians. And a winning week. And it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. Logan Allen has made some decisions for the Guardians and make their lives easier. They made, he is making some decisions that the Guardians had to make that if he wasn't pitching well, it would have been nail-biting. Would have been tough. Would have been grinding decisions, Maalox mashing. But he's pitching so well, and Bybee's also pitching well. But what we saw from our left-handed starter, you're starting to really see a rotation here. Logan Allen, by far, was the best starter on the team, hands down. He was the only pitcher this week, only starter to go past the fifth inning. Think about that. Only one, only one pitcher this week, only one made it past, made it past. Only one made it past the fifth inning. Who was that? Logan Allen. Says a lot about this team. Bybee can only go five innings. McKenzie and Savali only went five innings. And Quantrill Bieber got banged around. But Logan Allen kept things going. Kept things to where they want. Kept things to where... It was a good week for our Guardians. Very, very, very important. Those are your four things. Welcome back, Savali. Welcome back, Tristan McKenzie. Good to see you, Andres Jimenez. Will Brennan and Josh Naylor have big weeks. Bullpen, that Rubik's Cube that kind of fluctuates throughout the week, starting to get figured out. You're starting to see some shape on how things are going to go. And then finally, Logan Allen was by far the best pitcher of the week for the Guardians. That is amazing. No one even knew who Logan Allen was before the week started. No one even knew who he was. No one could even keep track of what to do with him. No one even knew who the who what, what he could do. No one even knew he was probably – some of you guys out there didn't even know standing pitcher. But there he is. Logan Allen leading the way for your Guardians. That, that no one could say they knew before the season started. Surely I didn't. We come back. Bieber, please sack. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. If you love instantaneous, I mean, just instantaneous analysis, I watch every Guardians game, every Browns game, every Cavaliers game. I directed the film Believe Land and Warren the Diamond. Did you love the 30 for 30 film Believe Land? You like that kind of entertainment? Check out at Official Cleveland Sports, Believe in the Land Media Company. That is believeintheland.com as well for written articles by myself and Todd Hall. Also go to Believe in the Land on YouTube. You want to win an autographed bat from Albert Bell? <gasps> if you subscribe to Believe in the Land on YouTube, you might just win a Albert Bell signed bat. Believe in land on YouTube. Believe in land.com. At Official Cleveland Sports, all a part of the Believe in the Land 
Media Company. The Shane Bieber rumors of being traded are being discussed nightly at official Cleveland Sports after Guardians games. And I understand why. When you see Logan Allen just alone, knowing you have Bybee, knowing you have McKenzie back, Savali back, Quantrill is somewhere, you know, healing. And you have this young man named Gavin Williams in the background who's pitching in Columbus. It's tempting to think, do you trade Shane Bieber? We talked about this at length last week. It is going to be discussed a lot, as it should be. It's a big topic. And again, it all starts and finishes with one thing, with Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber, more than likely, unless a miracle happens, is not coming back to Cleveland after 2024. So knowing that in your back of your head, you have to at some point flip Bieber, like we did with CC Sabathia. We also did it with Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer was a much different, different circumstance, but we flipped him. We also did the same for Mike Clevenger. In Clevenger, we got back Arius. We got back Josh Naylor. I mean, huge, huge things. Kyle Quantrill is a big trade. And then recently, everybody remembers Francisco Lindor, which was the key reason for the trade. But the Guardians also put in there Carlos Carrasco. And we got back Andres Jimenez. We got back Ahmed Rosario. So the Guardians have a history of doing this, and we're getting close to that again. Corey Kluber was another one. Troy Ray Kluber got Emmanuel Classe. Going down that road, in my opinion, when you see a week you did from Logan Allen, and you see Tristan McKenzie come back, and he looks really good, and Tristan McKenzie looked really, really good today. It was fun. It's good to see. It makes one realize, as a Guardian fan, hey, can you flip it again? You, the Guardians have a good track record of doing this. I get the feeling, if I had to guess, if I had to guess, Beaver 51% leaves, but it's very, very close this year. I think he definitely leaves next offseason. I don't think he'll be pitching here in 2024. I think it's either going to be during the season or offseason. Depending on when the Guardians get maximum value. Now, once you trade a Shane Bieber, I do believe, and I hate to say this, I believe the Guardians are trading away their chance, if they have any, of winning any kind of World Series. You're not going to be able to win the World Series this year without Shane Bieber. You have to have a Shane Bieber here. The Guardians are going to win a World Series. The Cleveland Guardians, baseball club, former our love Cleveland Indians, now Cleveland Guardians. If they are going to win the World Series, they are going to have to have Shane Bieber as a starter. And that is the big catch-22 here. And the Guardians know that. You can add the biggest bat you want to. Everybody's funny. Oh, big bat, big bat. Of course, that's something I would think would be a given. And the Guardians, 
do need to go down that road. Big bat. Big bat. That is what they need to get here. Prospects, sure, I guess. Prospect. But I would say it's about a big, impactful bat. That's what the Guardians need. And seeing what I saw this week from two clubs in the last 10 days, the Cardinals and the Orioles could really use a Shane Beaver. And there's some bats on those two teams that the Guardians could really use in their lineup. So I do think there's a chance here for a trade. Now, how that's going to happen, who that's going to be, we're not even close to guessing yet. And again, it might be waiting until the offseason. I don't think the Guardians are going to wait much more than that, though, because I think with what I'm seeing now from their starters, knowing Gavin Williams is in the waiting room, along with Quantrill, I think at the end of the season, at the least, I think that's the most you're going to see. Then Guardians don't trade Bieber in this current trade season going into late July. He's still in the club through August. Then I think you'll see Bieber gone in the offseason. I really do. I don't think Bieber's going to be here in 2024. I think you're really looking at a guy who will be gone at some point. There is a debate of whether it's going to be this season or in the offseason. I can see that. It depends on when the Guardians can get. I would think a bat. History tells you they're going to want a prospect or two. But I would think this year, knowing what the Guardians have, I mean, from what I can see, the Guardians have tons of prospects. They need a pillar. They need a bat. It's really that simple. They don't need multiple prospects right now. They really don't. They just need someone who's big and has got thunder behind it to hit the ball hard. Do I think Shane Bieber's going to get moved in the month of June? No. Do I think as we get closer in July, you could see Shane Bieber being moved? Yes, I do. Yes. And certainly by the offseason if he's still in the club. So that's your Shane Bieber, Bieber ch uh, chatter. Here's some things to keep in mind that's on the other end of this. Bieber's velocity is down. That's going to bother certain clubs. Bieber is an ace. Bieber is not in that elite class to me. He's not a Scherzer. He's not a DeGrom. He's not even a Verlander, in my opinion. I don't think he's in that class. I, I think Garrett Cole and Bieber are pretty similar, but I think Garrett Cole's is a nick ahead. So that that's where I kind of see him in this landscape of pitching right now. He's in that. He's an ace. He's a true ace. And he, again, he has proven in the playoffs he can win. Saw it in person in New York. He was great. Saw it on person in TV in Tampa. He was elite. He is a true ace. That said, there is some signs that he's wearing down. There are some signs that he's not in that top cut, as I just mentioned. So those are things to think about as you say, oh, just trade Bieber. Well, yes, but just remember what does the other person see on the other end? Those are some things they're going to bring up to the Guardians. Those are fair comments. They are fair. Then there's Zach Plesak. And if you missed it, it was a real jumble of information in the last 48, 24 hours. All sorts of moves were made. Hunter Gaddis was sent down. A gentleman named Michael Kelly was brought up. Who is that? You might say he's a pitcher 
who in his career has only made four appearances in the majors. He is having a very good season right now in Columbus as a reliever. His ERA is under two. He has a good amount of strikeouts. Might see Michael Kelly up here, but he's not going to see him right now. He has been moved on a 40-man. And then Peyton Battenfield was moved on to the 60-day um, IL. And then they just shifted over Plesak to DFA. He is off the 40-man roster. What a war. I mean, so I was telling my fiance today, it's amazing. It's shocking how this ended, seeing how it started in 2019. Watching Plesak in 19, watching his early starts in the pandemic before the Chicago trip, he was one of those pitchers like, gosh, the sky's the limit. Like, this kid could be really, really good. He looked like he was going to be that next stud. I mean, people, I mean, we forget it's because it's been so long. The reason why the Guardians traded Trevor Bauer was because they knew they had a Plesak. That's how well he was pitching early on in his career. And ever since he had that birthday party going out, he went to a bar in Chicago during a pandemic, which is a big no-no at that time. Terry Francona was immune compromised. So you really put your manager in danger. That's a huge no-no. And I got to be honest, from that moment on, Zach Plesak really never, I just don't think he ever found a fit on this club. He, You can kind of tell from his nonverbal, he really didn't have a spot on his team at times. You could tell that he really had a hard time finding like his niche or his little community of friends there kind of felt like an outsider. And then he had these tantrums and it was very strange. He would have games where he'd pitch elite. And then there'd be a time where he'd be even throwing a great game that he'd break his hand or break his finger. And then there'd be other times where he would totally implode against bad teams. Oh, he's so unpredictable. And he would be so athletic that he could pick off a runner at any point. He would have a Zach Plesak has an elite pickoff move. He's also a great glove. He can real. I mean, for certain pitchers, you forget that they play defense. You don't forget about Zach Plesak. He can catch the ball and throw it. He's very, very good defensively. Yet he was never consistent. Ever since what happened during the pandemic, 2021, I thought he really struggled. At times, 2022, I thought he got a little worse. And he was off the rails from the start. That start... And Oakland was unravelingly bad to watch him on TV. Plesak just could never find his role in this team. Frankly, I don't think he ever really got out of that Francona Guardians doghouse after the pandemic, and that's understandable. He really upset a lot of people. As I mean, I was upset as a fan. It got so bad they shipped Clevenger out in a trade. I mean, people forget that. The reason why Clevenger got traded is because he lied about the whole thing. And Police Act was there. It was just a mess. What a mess. What a mess. Police Act really never recovered from that. And what was really frustrating as a fan, he had moments where he looked great. Again, I bring up the Seattle. He pitched so well last year in Seattle. He was so good in that game. So good. And then he had days like he did this past, you know, uh, early start. In Oakland, where he just looked—I mean, just couldn't get couldn't get out. Really, really hard time getting out. 
shocking how his career started. Because again, I want to repeat the reason why, and not it wasn't the only reason, but the reason why the Guardians then Indians felt comfortable trading Trevor Bauer after his fiasco where he imploded and threw a baseball into the stands. The reason why they traded Trevor Bauer is because they had Zach Plesak. They had Mike Clevender. They had young guys that they knew they could rely on to win games and they can get away with it. It's amazing that's how far this has come. And Zach Plesak, who I don't believe will take the free agent. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't think he'll take the ticket to go to Columbus. I think he'll take free agency. It'll probably end up on a club like the Pirates or the Royals or the A's. Someone like that who needs a pitcher for a little bit. He's going to end up on one of those clubs. It's sad. It's shocking. Because he had such high promise. I mean, I, I was very excited when he came up. And when he can, again, his defensive glove, it doesn't stick out in pitchers. His did. Plesak always made big plays with his glove. And he had such a great pickoff move. DFA'd on Sunday. It's amazing how fast it went. He just never, even in the one or two appearances he had this year where I thought he pitched okay, his his poor performance in Boston, it was very poor. And his poor performance in Oakland, I thought, really stood out more. And his ERA was over seven in Columbus. I mean, good night, turn out the lights. That was it. It's amazing how fast that fell. I mean, that fell apart fast. Zach, please, Zach, DFA'd. We'll see what happens. This week for the Guardians, it's home with Boston, home with Houston, not easy. Then they go on a long road trip at San Diego, at Arizona. But this tough stretch of games that started off last week at home against St. Louis, so far so good. This week they went, I mean, they're pretty good, four and three. We come back, little Cavs, little Browns. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. Once again, check out Believe in the Land on YouTube. If you subscribe right now, subscribe to Believe in the Land. We are giving away a free Albert Bell sign. Bat! All you got to do is hit subscribe. We pick a random winner. Go to Believe in the Land on YouTube right now. What are you doing? What are you waiting for? Go now. Go into your YouTube. Type up Believe in the Land. Go into BelieveInTheLand.com for your sports all day, all in, every day. BelieveInTheLand.com. Check me out. I'm there after every Guardians game this summer at Official Cleveland Sports. At Official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. Instantaneous analysis. I watch every game. That's right. I watch every game. I'm sure some of you are like saying bull bleep. No, I do. At Official Cleveland Sports. DeAndre Hopkins. Still not a Cleveland Brown yet, but he's gaining momentum. More and more experts, more and more people are that relay information in this space in the NFL free agency market seems to be pointing to DeAndre Hopkins going to Cleveland. We'll have to see, obviously. Um, I thought Deshaun Watson made his big plea this week, saying I'd hope to see D-Hop, as he calls him, that's his nickname. Hope to see him in Berea. Again, I will profess, I think it's a no-brainer. You bring him in. I think it'd be a great ad. Again, you're bringing in a friend of a guy who's your quarterback. That makes a lot of sense to me. I don't see the negative here at all. In fact, I'm a, I'm a surprised by how many people are debating this decision. 
Also, there's been some debate on certain channels about, oh, the Browns aren't going to run the ball as much. And Look, they win games. No one's going to care. They are going to run the ball more anyways because there's no more Kareem Hunt along with Nick Chubb, and they never even use that anyways. This is the Nick Chubb show. I mean, I know Ford is back there, and that's nice. That's great. This is not a running team. But that doesn't mean you can't hand off the ball 24. 60 to 65% of this offense is passing now. Yes, I raised my hand and acknowledge that. But this running game is almost 90 to 95% Nick Chubb. So that's the other end of this. So I think sometimes people get way too wrapped up into they're going to pass more. It's not about passing more. Just make sure 24 touches the ball. Don't get wrapped up into the Browns are going to pass more. They're not running as much. No one cares. Just win the game, score touchdowns, get the ball in the 24's hands, at least 15 to 20 touches a game, hopefully more towards 20, and get the W. That's all people care about. A lot of noise this week about Miles Garrett not being in OTA's mandatory minicamps, almost here for the Browns. Again, I will repeat this. Don't get too wrapped up into things like this because Joel Batonio wasn't in camp. Nick Chubb wasn't in camp. David Njoku wasn't in camp. Zadaria Smith wasn't in camp this week. Would not get too wrapped up into Miles Garrett not being in camp. Because if you're going to get mad about Miles Garrett, you should get mad about Nick Chubb, Joel Batonio as well. It's a big year for the Browns. Yes, it's a new defense. There's some new offensive things going on here, too. A, this offense isn't exactly what we've been rolling out the last two or three years. The quarterback has only been here for six. How many games was it last year? Um, one, two, Yeah, six games. So it's not act like this is a totally new offense that's been ran here for a long time. Not accurate. So don't get too far neg. I think Garrett takes a lot of heat sometimes unnecessarily. And then other times I don't think he gets enough heat in certain situations. This is one of those times it's like the, the way too much complaining about Garrett not being in camp. I just think silly, especially when you have other key players out. I mean, again, no Batonio, no Nick Chubb. Gotta get mad about that. Or you're gonna get mad about the other end. David Njoku wasn't there either. Don't get too high or too low on these OTAs, I'm telling you. Learned it the hard way years and years ago. It's hard to really figure out what all this stuff means. It doesn't mean much. Training camp does start to have some value. Not everything value, but has some value. These OTAs just don't get hurt. Look good, feel good, start to build a winning culture, but that's it. He looks good. He looks, eh, he's not, eh. Not as much. Training camp different. Training camp's different. There's starting to become some discussion, and we'll start getting into what do the Cavs do in this offseason? Karis LeVert, what are they going to do with the wing spot? Are going to be the big two topics of discussion? We'll start getting into that as we get closer as the NBA season is almost over. You'll start to see more stories on that. You'll start to hear more things about that. We will start to get into it here. I think the Cavs are going to have to bring back Karis LeVert. I'm a big supporter of his. They might overpay for him, and that's fine. Cavs are going to have to make adjustments on how to get him here 
and get him playing because the Cavs can't replace Karis Lord. They just can't. Can't do it. They don't have the resources to do so. They're going to need to sign him back. And Karis wants to play here, so I think that's a good reason to bring him back anyways. He played well. Small forward, we'll get into two possible free agents and et cetera, et cetera, which we start to. You really start, obviously, as soon as the NBA Finals um, takes a takes a you know takes a sleeper hold and someone wins you're really going to start seeing those uh, rumors become more rapid and you're going to start hearing a little bit more as we go through the nba finals i found the nba finals only one game to be very boring so far i'll try to get into it more i gotta admit the heat and nuggets don't excite me i'll watch a little bit of it tonight i'm sure i'll have it on i'll be watching i don't i'm not getting into this nba finals though not into it and I, I, I just don't, I, I don't find the Nuggets likable, and I certainly don't find the Heat likable. So it's hard to get into the series, but I'll try to get into it. Jokic is a wonderful player. It does look like the Nuggets are going to figure things out and win, and win the Larry O'Brien Trophy, which would be a huge moment for that organization and for the city of Denver. Guardians had a good week. They go four and three. The Shane Bieber trade rumors, as we discussed, will get more rampant. Zach Plesak got DFA'd. DeAndre Hopkins. Not a Cleveland Brown yet. Something, think, something. It's a matter of time. Cavaliers, you're starting to hear more and more about what's going to be going on in the off season, and that's the week that was in Cleveland sports. My name is Andy Billman. Again, as the as the Guardians head home, they come home to play Boston. They come home to play Houston. Check out instantaneous post game analysis at official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. At official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. If you would like a signed Albert Bell bat, subscribe to the YouTube page today. A random winner will be chosen. My name is Andy Billman. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Lands show. We'll be back on here next week.